warning, the Paper Cuts podcast has bad language and spoilers, so cover your f***ing ears. You are now listening to the Paper Cuts comic podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts podcast, issue 100, landmark giant size, all those other superlatives, issue 100 of the Paper Cuts podcast. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and joining me this week is Mr. Evan Goldstein. Hi. Hello. I know, you never never go first, I know. know, Mr. Dean DeFalco. I'm ripped, I'm hyped, I'm ready to go. Well, you may be hyped and ready to go, but... You're right. I don't have a big glass of soda. I just have a beer. <laughs> Mr. Matt Much. It doesn't feel like we've done a hundred. It doesn't. That's, oh, wait. I don't I've think it's because you have. Like, yeah, you haven't been a yeah, part of a hundred. Yeah, but it it's it's an honor to be part of 32. Technically, it's an, none of us have been a part of a hundred. We're all in like a, the 90s somewhere. <laughs> I like it. It works. And also joining us for this veritable shit show that we're running, the writer, artist, and creator of Kaiju Max, Xander Cannon. Xander, how are you? Good. I'm, how are you guys? Dean just fainted. Dean. I, I did. You're right. I heard the name. I'm, I'm down on the floor. It's done. Game over. Restart the podcast. We're going to have to do it over again. <laughs> no, I mean, we're, feeling done. we're done. Juiced Good. and jovial. <laughs> so Xander has uh, graciously agreed to join us for uh, for a little bit of an interview. The first interview we're doing here on the Paper Cuts podcast to celebrate <laughs> issue one hundred. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It, I just I, I don't. It's my brain. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I laughed because he <laughs> laughed. <laughs> okay. You're making a great impression on our guest. Thank you. Listen. There's no he's point heard the in show pretending. Before, I'm sure. <laughs> There's no point in pretending to be what we're not. That is, that That's is true. a good point. So, Very true. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and, uh, and jump right into it. Uh, Xander, so um, looking at your Wikipedia page, because that's how I do my research, because I'm <laughs> a modern man about town, it says that you were born in Boston in the 70s. Now, is, is that correct, and is that where you grew up? Uh, it is where I was born in the 70s, that's correct, but I, did, I only lived there for, like, until I was three or something like that. Um, so I have a lot of, all my relatives are there, but, uh, but I grew up all over, uh, in Cleveland and Colorado and Iowa and Minnesota, so. So, like, mostly out in the Midwest and whatnot. And... Yeah. Okay, right on. Um, what, uh, <laughs> what, um, like, what did your mom and dad do? What, uh, cause that, I always, I find that in, for some reason, I always find that interesting about, um, creative people. Like, do they come from creative families or, you know, what, what was the deal? You just want to know well, that cause you're not creative. That, that's very what? true. I don't, am a, don't say that. What kind of thing is that to say, man? Well, it's my, well, the reason that we moved around a lot is that my dad was, uh, uh, was an airline pilot. Um, and so when uh, he was, he was, uh, air force and then he was an airline pilot. So that's not where I got my creativity from, but uh, my mom is an artist and she, uh, she mostly does stuff with like um, wall hangings and quilts that are like weird and she'll like sew toys onto them and stuff. 
So that's cool. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty direct line, like you can tell. Wow. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Like so. All right. So like, what kinds of toys would be sewn on quilts? That that's fascinating oh, like, to me. Like teeny tiny little. I mean, like not army men, but like teeny tiny little toys like that. Like the a fourth the size of an army man. You know, like little little uh, plastic babies or. Uh, I don't know, like goblins and stuff, <laughs> penny, penny toys that you would get from like, um, I don't know, that you would have, that you would have found like years ago. And so she has this incredible collection of jars of like weird junk that she's found. That's so, awesome. Goblins. Yeah, really... I love it. Fucking sewing <laughs> goblins on the quilts. Yeah. That yeah, sounds so super cool. She, she grew up in Texas. And so a lot of her stuff has this sort of like Southwestern, you know, sort of Texas Santa Fe type 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 of look and you know she'll she'll sew so like uh instead of it being regular cloth it'll be like hand dyed cloth or or um uh like oil uh like oil cloth that you would use for like a mm -hmm. a tablecloth or something anyway yeah is there Texas, a Etsy dude, store that we could visit <laughs> yeah like does uh, she sell like there should be are they i don't know she should sold? she's she's not she's not much I, of a seller people would buy this right here yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'd you buy got it. Four People sales, would buy like, it right now. Uh, you can find her at uh, on Instagram at Goblin Queen. <laughs> I wish that's Pretty awesome. Cool. So, like, were were these things that were like hanging up in the house when you were a kid? Yeah. Um, uh huh. You, you know, she. I mean, that sort of stuff like was was a little bit. Uh, it came later. In her, like you know, because she was a, she was a stay at home mom while while my mm -hmm. sister and I were growing up, and then, um, and she would make quilts and and she was part of groups, but then it was like once we went off to college that she was that she really started doing all that stuff, you know, seriously. But she was That's always getting awesome. us into like really cool like colorful art stuff, and you know, encouraging us, and thought it was really neat that I was gonna, that I wanted to be an artist and all that jazz. Very cool. So. What, um, obviously, I mean, being a comics professional, I, I, I mean, I suppose, obviously, anyway, um, comics were around when you were a kid, you were a fan reading comics, like, what were, what were some of the, the big issues for you, or, like, the big titles that you read? Well, I, you know, I didn't get into comics until I was kind of, until I was probably in, you know, sixth, sixth grade or so, like, until I could really buy my own comics. Like, I remember there were comics that I, you know, you'd see them at on the spinner racks or whatever. But, um, but I remember like, uh, my next door neighbor was into comics. And so he would get me or like, he, you know, he, he's like, you gotta come to the comic book store. And so we'll go and get like the Frank Miller daredevils. And we would get like, um, uh, I mean, that was just about the time that like dark Knight was about to come out, but like, but, uh, like grew the wanderer was in full swing. And, uh, and I remember getting issues like, Ralph Snart. I don't know if you remember that comic. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, the Flaming Carrot. And oh, um, love Flaming uh, Carrot, man. Is, is that, and Zooniverse, that... which on. just started being uh, re reprinted in um, Island Magazine. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, but um, but yeah, just like I, I mean, I liked I like kind of the you know the usual big two artists like Frank Miller and John Byrne and and Alan Davis and all that stuff. But like, but I really liked the indie, you know, that sort of indie black and white boom that was kind of coming in the wake of Ninja Turtles. Yeah, like mm. that stuff like really started blowing up around that time. And like, I don't, that is, that is one part of like my comics fandom that 
I'm really into the indie stuff now, but when I was a kid, you're you're a little bit older than me. Um, like I was born in 1980, so like I was a little too young for that when that stuff was coming out. I was I was still more like jumping into like big superheroes and whatnot. But like, yeah, I I think the first indie book I really got into. Um, I had a really good buddy that I worked with that just threw like a bunch of Peter Bag comics at me, like a bunch of issues of yeah. hate and whatnot, and it was just, oh my god, this is, this is comics can be something different and weird, and it was just like this huge revelatory experience to to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and like that was another, yeah, that was another big boom, like in sort of the mid '90s, you know, really kind of kicked off again. Like I feel like in 1990-ish, it was kind of kind of on a you know it's on the back foot like there wasn't really much going on it seemed to me i guess i i don't really recall <laughs> i was in high school so i i don't it seemed like it was it seemed like it kind of cooled off after the the you know the mid 80s and then and then it kind of picked up again in the 90s in a slightly different flavor yeah um so i don't want to do all the talking guys like so feel free to, to jump in here like as you want to. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dan. You fucking know, just, no, sorry. All the I know. I'm glory. trying to be a professional host here for like once. You know, for once. Jesus. Right. For the first time in a hundred issues. <laughs> yeah, you, you finally want to step up after all this time. Thanks. You know, we have a guest. Okay, right, right, obviously. So, okay, um,. I've, one of the first things that I've I've ever read from you was Kaiju Max, but I mean I'm I'm assuming you broke into the industry long before that. Can you tell us about some of the other work you've done before that? Yeah, the, well the the first the first comic I did was a was a spinoff of The Tick, um, which was called The Chainsaw Vigilante. Um, and okay. that came out in <laughs> Already on board. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> that's the that's the gentleman um, with the card cardboard looking mask. Just yeah, grabbed, yeah, yep. and and the uh, and the button that's the upside down smiley face, which is the <laughs> universal sign for extreme displeasure. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, and so they they did a you know so they brought me on to do that, and I was twenty years old, so I I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Like I just I was I was just winging it, and so um, yeah, if you want to search those comics out, they're terrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, I reread talking them. yourself I reread up. Them. I see shit. Yeah. Well, I reread them one time, and I was like, you know what? There's a couple good moments, you know, like you know, in like 80 pages, but um, <laughs> that was about it. But after that, I did a, I did a self, uh, or not? I'm sorry, not self-published, but a, 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 a um, creator-owned book at uh, Slave Labor Graphics um, called The Replacement God, and that was sort of part of the mid '90s sort of black and white boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that, yeah, I did that for, I mean, that's, uh, I probably have done that for like three or four publishers. Like, it, you know, it was like, it was slave labor. And then I did an image when image was just starting, like taking on people who weren't the founders. Mm-hmm. And then right. I self-published an issue. Um, and then, uh, and then it was one of those great abandoned projects, <laughs> you know, that is still, that people still email me and ask me to finish. Um, <laughs> Is it is so, it something that you will go back and finish? Yeah, I will. But I mean, it's it, you know, it was kind of a in a way, it was kind of a parable about being a young and and directionless. You know, like because it, it was like this story about like a kid who's prophesied to be the the like this sort of like cleansing god of death or whatever. And so mm-hmm. and and he's just this clueless doofus. Like you know, I don't know, like me. <laughs> so like <laughs> and 
And so um, now looking back on it, I mean, it's like I could do I could do it, but it it's like, well, that's you know, when I'm 43, I don't I don't exactly have like the same. I have you know I don't have the same anxieties. I have different anxieties. So like it, it uh, right yeah family I mean, and yeah providing and, so and all that, that stuff. And so different different things you know kind of take hold in my mind like that that I'm like oh I really want to do this. I do want to do a to finish it, but it's not something that. I don't know. I'm I'm sure that when my son gets to be like a teenager, I'll start to sort of like, you know, I'll observe his his sort of the way he's thinking about the world and then maybe mm-hmm. it'll maybe it'll grab onto me again. <laughs> but um so I did I did that and then I did a and then the thing that kind of put me on the map in terms of like a comic the gets the thing that got my phone calls returned was that I did a a, <laughs> a book called Top 10 with uh with Gene Han Alan Moore. And um and so, and that was part of the America's Best Comics line that Wildstorm did, um, which is top ten: Tom Strong, Promethea, and Tomorrow Stories. And um, now you, and that was great. you may be selling yourself a little bit short there because you said you did it, but like you won an Eisner for that, man. Like that's yeah. right? a pretty I'm, big deal. I, that, that's not oh. like that's uh, not just yeah. eh, like I just I got this thing over here. <laughs> you know, I guess like, it's something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, yeah, we uh, well we won two Eisners. I'm very pleased to say that, and I'm always I'm always happy to put Eisner Award winning creator in front of my name in front of on every bio that I ever write. Um, As well it should, it'll be in the show notes for this. Good, sure would. In a different a different color letters, I hope, like this red. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, obviously, yeah. We're gonna they put always in have to italicize or something. <laughs> they put Eisner Award. No, yeah, I'm gonna right? do it like they did on. Uh, on AOL Instant Messenger, where you could get it like in seventeen thousand different colors and like Simic, that's how I'm gonna do it. It'll oh. be great. Don't worry. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, if you, if you have the budget for it, you know. <laughs> we don't actually. Yeah, yeah. We don't. This right. is this oh. is a fly by night operation at best. <laughs> oh, we'll be gone tomorrow. So I can't. We're not a. Fl- We've been around for a hundred issues. We're not fly by night. What are you talking about? Well, fly by a couple nights, I suppose. But uh, several <laughs> nights, a week long stay. So uh, it, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about what it was like to work with Alan Moore because you hear so many stories about just what type of a guy he is. Some very very positive, some very very negative, and I'm just curious as to like what your experience was working with him. Well. Uh, my experience with him was very pleasant. He's he's extremely personable and really easy to talk to on the phone. I never met him. I just spoke to him on the phone a bunch. Um, he very friendly. I mean, he's you know I think he's on the phone with a million different people and forgets and he would always kind of forget if he told me a story or not. So I heard like a, a several <laughs> stories several times. And um, <laughs> but like, but I mean, yeah, it seemed to me like that that it was that. I was the, per, you know, I'm another, car, you know, another cartoonist, another comics creator. And so his attitude towards me is very genial and very friendly. I mean, I think that if I were a comics journalist or, you know, or an editor at a mega corporation, he would be a bit more prickly, you know, because, for, you know, no, no surprise. Right. Um, but uh, but I, I found him to be an absolutely warm and very easy to get along with person but i also never had any conflict with him either like there there was no there was nothing to have conflict about we just did we just were working on the comic together so um yeah so i i mean it was very it was it was a lovely really you know you know uh time personally 
um, working with them creatively, I thought was was an interest. I mean, it was super interesting to sort of see like this sort of craftsman at work, um, and I learned a lot from him. But I also felt like it was not. It's not. It doesn't become very creative because mm -hmm. you are. I mean, you've seen his scripts. I'm sure they're so detailed and they're so mm -hmm. sort of. They're they're a little rigid because because he's his the way that he's laid out the comic is so precise that you kind of end up and I I've told a couple I've sort of phrased it like this I, that is like a cartooning Tetris <laughs> where you're like trying to you're like oh well that guy's fist has to be in the upper left hand corner and that's in the lower right hand corner and you know and so it's it's a lot of fitting things in and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of sort of like, oh, this is how I would stage it. It's like, well, he's staged it, and then he's describing it, and then I need to interpret that and stage it like he would stage it. You know what I mean? So it's right. Like this so is Alan Moore. A, he said this is how we're doing it. So this is this is kind of where we're gonna do it. And it, it took a lot of the pressure off because you knew he do you knew he did a good job. It's not like he was half-assing it. You know. So right. So that was that was com a comfort. Um, but I think. Uh, but it but it is m more fun, I think, to write you know to write your own stuff and things like that. So, um, well, and that that's kind of where you went to next, right? Like after doing top ten, and then it was Smacks, right? Was the other one that kind of branched right. off of that? Yeah, and that was yeah, that was sort of the take on the fantasy world stuff, and right, and that yeah, that was that was really fun. And so at that time, I was uh, my wife and I lived in Japan. Uh, we moved there oh. in uh, two thousand two, and she taught you know, on like the, uh, English teaching program. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I taught English too, because if you, if you speak English, man, that's, you might as well, you could be a brain surgeon and you still would rather teach English. Um, because really? it paid, Why it is... paid great for not a lot of, you know, I mean, not a lot of effort because you already speak English. Um, huh. and so, there you go, Matt. Um, that, that's a future for you, sir. <laughs> So What's that? I'm sorry, I missed that. No, no, I was Matt. Matt seemed somewhat interested in uh, in teaching English abroad. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, oh, it's yeah. you, you certainly get a perspective on like the things you take for granted in your own country. Like <laughs> you're like, hey, wait a second, white privilege doesn't work here. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I am a white male. Things are supposed to be easy for right. me. What the heck? <laughs> you know. I was, I was sold a bill of good on, goods on this stuff. Yeah, so that's awesome. <laughs> um, and so yeah, so that I mean that it was that was fascinating. It was really fun and and you know and interesting and and we you know we lived there for two years and then we and then we came back and uh, um, uh, and then we you know and that was we sort of wanted to do that before we bought a house and had a family mm -hmm. and and all that sort of stuff like a big adventure before we did that. So when we came back, I um like I had. I was feeling a little bit anxious about the comics industry. <laughs> you know, not that you ever should. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Never. But I, um, and so I founded a, a, like a, made a little company with like two other friends who are, who other like comics people. And we did, we ended up doing a lot of work for hire and uh, freelance stuff, storyboards, um, like kind of did all the, like cartooning grunt work for a while, mm -hmm. um, and that and that ended up sp splitting off into another co uh, company called Puny Entertainment, um, and they um th I don't know if you've seen recently. There's a show called um, Danger and Eggs. 
it was like on the Amazon pilot season kids uh -huh. show. Yeah, yeah. Did you? Oh, okay, yeah. So anyway, that that's that's founded by that was done by Puny Entertainment. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, so that that was sort of that was our animation sort of wing, and then um, and then the then the other two of us did comics for a while. That was Kevin Cannon and me, and we did we've done a lot of uh, educational comics and uh, well, we did a lot. Yeah, we did storyboards. We did really sort of boring. Uh, we did ad, you know, target ads and stuff like that, and that was. <laughs> It was all. It but it was paid all, the bills, you know, right? Like it. It paid the bills. It was interesting stuff. It's tech. You know, you learn techniques really fast. Like we we did this one thing where we had to do. We were doing um, ad, uh, like we were doing um, like photo manipulation of like uh the the target, F one, Formula One team, and so they're like, well, you guys can do like like photo manipulation, and we're like, oh yeah 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 yeah, and like the <laughs> second that, <laughs> totally, the just second give us the that, money. Yeah, we ran, and this was, you can tell it was a couple, several years ago, we ran to Barnes & Noble and bought, like, how to do photo manipulation, <laughs> like, <laughs> to, to take back to the studio and, like, read from cover to cover. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and so all that stuff was really good for learning how to, you know, learning how to do all this stuff and having it at your fingertips. But, I mean, it, it takes a toll on your, on your soul, you know <laughs> what I mean? Yes. And so, uh, so, yeah, and so that was... Uh, and I mean, I was, and I was pitching a lot of, st I was doing a lot of, um, like freelance writing stuff too. I wrote, I wrote a Simpsons story. I wrote a Star Trek story. I wrote a Transformers story. I wrote a Justice Society. So, I mean, I was just kind of being the, you know, the indie cartoonist who went and became a, a mainstream writer type of thing. Right. And I hated it. I hated every minute of it. I mean, I didn't hate it, but like, yeah, I mean, and I liked, I liked writing Star Trek. I liked writing Transformers. That stuff was all fun, but it was like. But it, but it was kind of like beating your head against a brick wall too. Like, there's no, people weren't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't fit into the mainstream very well. And those are, you know, for, for, I mean, even though they're not Marvel and DC, that's mainstream stuff. They want a mainstream aesthetic, and I just right. Just they want easy, working. easy to read, easy to pick up. Just kind of yeah stories in the universe. They want you to deliver what they've have have had before. Like, there's right. more, more of it. And I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to like build myself up as like this artiste who has to do something original every single time, but like, but it, it, where it, it wore me out and I just, and I just wasn't good enough. I just wasn't a good enough writer that I could just go, oh yeah, I'll, that's exactly what we want. I will deliver that exactly. And we will all be happy. Right. That, um, that book does not exist at Barnes and Noble, how to write Star Trek episodes or comics. The book. Yeah, no, we couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn somebody, it. Somebody must've bought it already. Um, <laughs> although, yeah, would be right I, here next to photo manipulation right you bitch. think you think but um so is that is that what kind of was the the inspiration for like heck because that from yeah. from what i understand and i apologize because i haven't read it um but from what i understand that's kind of like a soul-searching kind of personal story right yeah. yeah well it started out it started out just being like I'm tired of doing all of this junk for other people and doing exactly what they trying to do exactly what they want. And so I, I just said, uh, I kind of took a, a cue from the 24 hour comics that I'd done. And I did this really simple, simple style. It really, I drew it really small and I just, and I worked really fast and just kind of, and just kind of jumped into this sort of, you know, kind of so, so idea that I had had kicking around for a while. Um, about a guy who has a, a portal to hell in his basement. You know, and then and then he used like a blue, a, like a blue collar sorcerer, 
you know, that he goes down into hell and, and like, gets stuff for people or, like, gives people closure or whatever. Um, that's, and that's awesome. <laughs> and so, but, but then that story, yeah, because I worked on it so fast, but then that story started taking on all of this, you know, I just, because, and because I wasn't for anyone and I didn't care, I didn't really care if it was going to be published, I just kind of did it and, um, and yeah, and it became something different. It became, and it became a little bit, a little bit sort of melancholy, more melancholy and more, um, I don't know. Yeah. It had peculiar. I mean, I, and like the, the idea that like, there's a, the, there's a secondary, like the sidekick of the hero is like this, this guy who was chewed up by a demon, but he didn't die cause he was in hell. So they kind of shoveled up all his guts and like bandaged them all up. And he's like this little mummy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so anyway, so like, it's like he's simultaneously kind of cute and then kind of also kind of sad and then also kind of disgusting. Like, and that was kind of, which I think is like the trifecta of like the stories that I like to write. <laughs> Sad, cute, and disgusting. Sad, cute, and disgusting. Yeah. Fair enough. So, um, and, uh, and funny, hopefully. And so, uh, and so anyway, yeah, that, so that story, you know, and so that was the thing that got me out of, that kind of broke me out of the, a rut that I was in where I felt like nobody wants to see my stuff. But then when heck got sort of a critical, a good critical response, then I, it, it was, that was encouraging and it made me think like there's not really it's not really worth it for me to try to be what other people want me to be because I'm not very good at it and so I might as well be right. what I want to be and and maybe somebody hates that but it's the but at least I know that I am doing that correctly <laughs> right at least it's honest you're you're putting out your work um and that that was nominated for an Eisner as well right Right, right, yeah, and it's it won a couple other awards. It won like a Stumptown Comics Award, mm-hmm. and it won a award from Penn State, and yeah, I mean it was that was really awesome. It was on a bunch of best of the year lists. I mean it was it was really a huge thing for me because it's like you know top ten winning an award. You're like, well, I wonder who won this award. Was it me <laughs> or was it Alan Moore and Gene Ha? Like, Dude, but, don't 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 worry, about I, it was all you, bro. <laughs> But even so, even so, I was like, this is a, this is a much greater honor for me <laughs> that, uh, that a book that I did solo is, is getting some attention. So that was nice. Totally. Was there, um, uh, was there any influence? Um, cause like what I've seen of heck reminds me very much. Um, and maybe it's just me of the, uh, the Chester Gould, Dick Tracy stuff. Like, was that an influence at all? Or am I just putting two things together oh i mean yeah i well i love just i grew up loving chester Gould, like finding those old strips and and stuff you know i i loved that that stuff and um yeah i mean i don't know if it was a direct it's not direct but um but you know like drawing from that era too like of that sort of pre-superhero era of like you know doc savage and i mean dick tracy's on the like this super colorful end of that and uh and i mean yeah like his his sort of peculiar profile um yeah i i i hadn't thought of i hadn't thought of dick tracy as that but i mean it, it fits right it fits right in you know the idea yeah, of that, like uh, the two-fisted adventurer yeah like w- when i saw it like it took me back i think i've mentioned on the show a few times like my my absolute ridiculous love for the dick tracy property and more specifically the chester gould stuff which like came back from i went to visit my grandparents in florida once and like we went out to a store and my grandmother bought me like this collected edition of the Dick Tracy comic book strips. And it was this big, 
like this beautiful hardcover bound, just gorgeous collection of all this old Chester Gould, Dick Tracy stuff. And it's like one of my favorite books that I, that I've had for, you know, 20, 25 years at this point. And as soon as I saw heck, like it, it had that same, that same sort of soul, like that same flavor of that, that era. It was like right on, like it just, yeah, it just I, came right out. Yeah. I love that. I love that era. I mean, I loved, I loved, and I love that Dick Tracy, yeah, is so sort of unselfconsciously like s- silly, but then also a little has a little bit of a grim edge to it, you know. Uh, yeah, I think that that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, the, there's there's some real darkness in the Dick Tracy stuff. Like it is silly. Like you look at Mumbles or Pruneface or Eighty Eight Keys, and you're like, all right, th- there's there's some silliness here, but there's some some real world, some some fucking just like there's some grit there you know there there is that darkness it's it's awesome stuff but yeah all right so i'm gonna fucking geek i'm gonna geek out about dick tracy now for like the next half hour so that i'll (laughs) stop go ahead no big deal (laughs) (laughs) so all right i'm hogging the conversation again somebody else jump in well he's he's getting to the the crux of his his timeline here so Mm. yeah we're almost up to the present (laughs) Let's yeah. let him finish well, it up. <laughs> oh yeah. So well, and so the the critical attention of uh, of Heck got basically, again, it's like it got my it got my phone calls answered a little bit more, or like, it. it I think that um, I had been talking with Oni Press about a project. Um, well, about I mean about Kaiju Max, and it, I was actually pitching it with a different artist. I was just going to write it, um, and uh, that that. Fell through because that, that that was Ryan Brown. I don't know if you guys know who he is, um, but he he's uh, he does a lot of mainstream stuff. But he does a book called uh, God Hates Astronauts, mm-hmm. and which is oh, like completely yeah. bonkers, off the wall superhero slash science fiction stuff. Anyway, his he he draws really like grotesque creatures and monsters and stuff, and that's and so that's why I sort of came up with the idea of Kaiju Max. I mean, a lot of reasons, but I mean he that was something that I was, that we were going to collaborate on that kind of played to his strengths, but his, his Kickstarter kind of hit at the time and he ended up doing uh, his own creator owned book. Um, and so then Oni was like, well, do you want to, do you want to draw it yourself? And I'm like, Oh geez, I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, but, but, and it, maybe it was, but it, I, that's what I did. So, um, uh, why'd that sound like a terrible so, idea? Because it's extremely stressful, you know, like writing, oh, penciling, yeah. inking, lettering, coloring an entire book. I mean, the, I mean, I, it's it's on. It comes out on a monthly schedule, but I mean, it really comes out six months, six issues a year, so it's bi monthly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's just you know, it's exhausting. I mean, I knew how yeah, to do sense. all that stuff, yeah. but it's but but doing it on a tight timeline, you know. <laughs> Anyway, That's, you, yeah. you learn some do good coping like, strategies, but uh, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine so. Like when when you do this writing and drawing and and doing the whole book, because there's no one else on the book. You're doing absolutely well, everything. So like, are uh, you working? Oh, there are oh, two. I mean, there's Fred. Sorry, Fred Chow is the designer, and he does. Right. You know, he sort of puts together the the inside front cover and like the letters page and stuff like that. And then Jason Fisher is the co- he's my color assistant is a color system. okay he, he does and so he does uh flats and like he flats the book but he also kind of like has the like the color schemes for all the characters so everything's okay. when he sends it back to me everything's basically right 
And so right. I, then I can go in and I can tone everything and, you know, and put on all the filters and stuff oh, and go okay. from there. So, I mean, he gives me a, if I have a sense for what the color scheme will be, when I, when I send it to him, when he sends it back, you know, I could probably finish it up in, you know, half an hour to an hour. Oh, cool. So, I mean, he saves oh, me an wow. unbelievable amount of time. And he makes these really good, de- he makes really good decisions, too, on new characters. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll send you a color scheme for that guy. And he's like, oh, well, all right, and I can change it. And I'm like, nah, whatever you send is good. <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's got a really good color sense. So he, he'll send something good. I'm like, yeah, 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 I can work with that. I don't care. They're monsters. It doesn't matter what color they are. No, it's, uh, you, it's all good. Do you, um, <laughs> like, do you, do you work full script for yourself, or do you just kind of make the book no i full script no i i try to keep from writing as much as i can like i i I, like i really don't want to write anything down because i don't want to you know it's like i like that i can kind of improv there's a little bit there's a lot of improvising that happens like i'll i'll kind of go i'll kind of do a a visual pass at first where i kind of go like okay these are the like if i know basically what's going to happen like i'll write a I don't know, three paragraph summary of the whole issue or, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll, uh, and then I'll kind of like sketch out like thumb thumbnails, any big pages and sort of, and sort of space them all out. So it's like, Oh, okay, here's this, this big reveal is going to want to be like near the end. And this one's kind of in the middle. This one's, this one's the title page, etc. And then I'll just go through and I'll, and I kind of, um, I'll just sit down and do, do that all sort of doodle that all, all out on paper. Like, you know, if it starts with a big splash panel, then I'll I'll draw the splash panel before I think about what the word balloons are. But if it's like a nine panel grid, then I'll like kind of write out the word balloons and kind of, you know, just sketch in like, oh, this is a headshot and this is a wide shot and stuff like that. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I would never write myself a script because <laughs> I hated writing scripts for other people. So. <laughs> so very, very different from what Alan Moore would send you then. So just. <laughs> <laughs> very very oh, minimal God. in comparison oh yeah i mean it's hmm. it's it well it's probably what alan moore sketch, sketches to himself and then you know and then he looks at that and describes it in the script and sends it to me um <laughs> which is all it's so many steps so i try to eliminate as many of those steps as i can right on so it's really interesting approach yeah well like yeah, i always find very... that it, I found that interesting too, like reading interviews with like comic book writers and hearing that they were like, yeah, you know, like I'll, I'll go ahead and like, I'll sketch out the scene and then like, you know, take a picture of that and like send the photo over, like include that with an email. I'm like, Oh shit. Like the writers are drawing this out too. Like it just, as a kid, when you're reading comic books, it's this magical thing that appears on the rack every month and it's just made by wizards and that's how it's here. You know, but then like to actually think about the process of it and how there's so many different ways of doing this, you know, the way you do it, the way Alan Moore does it, the Marvel method of, you know, how Stan Lee kind of pioneered everything. Like there's so many different ways to do this and finding a way that works for you and being able to create something on a relatively, you know, timely basis is is so impressive. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, I mean. It uh, the nice thing though is a, is that um, because I'm doing everything, it's like I can kind of skip. You know how like when you're when you're just penciling something, it's like you kind of have to indicate to someone like, well, this is how this you know this stroke like this this pen stroke should go. Like if you're really gonna be fussy about it, right? And if you're if you're just and if you're penciling and inking something, it's like, 
well, this is where this, you know, this is where like the, the color should break and these are where the shadows should go. But like, since I'm doing everything, I can kind of go, all right, well, I can leave that for the color thing and I can leave that, you know, that idea for the ink stage. And like, I can kind of, I can kind of work around those, those problems a little bit and solve problems, solve different problems in different stages. Um, I mean, hmm. you know, it doesn't save time overall, but it, does, <laughs> it probably saves time for like, you know, all, uh, if there, unless, if there were five people working on it, you'd have to explain all that stuff. You know what I mean? And it, I don't have to explain yeah, this, it, which is nice. This you can just keep, keep to yourself. So no, he right. just talks to himself in a mirror. Well, I, yeah, that's true holds too. the paper up. This is, this is what I do here. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> All right, so so we we're we're in the midst of Kaiju Max. Then this this is the book that we're talking about. Yes. Okay, Let's I'm do I'm, it. I'm I'm just confirming. Okay, so right. how what what made you come up with Godzilla monsters and Oz put together? Uh, well, I always wanted to do a Godzilla like a, a monster thing, like a like Godzilla or Monster Island, like what, what do they do on Monster Island? Like, what do they talk about? Like, do they hang out between rampages or whatever? <laughs> um, <laughs> because, I mean, I just always thought, the, thought that that was kind of fun. Like I, I, I sort of toyed with the idea of like, is there a monster bar or something like that? But that's kind of, that's been done, you know, the, not that specifically, but that the idea of a bar has been done and it's not very. Kaiju cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Kaiju you, you norm. that's it. You there you go. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you. Kaiju you norm, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kaiju but, uh, cliff. But that so that then uh when I when I was kind of it was sort of solidifying a little bit, then I was like, well, I need a I need a genre, like I need a I need a storyline. And so the idea of them being on a prison, it was I don't know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like an obvious choice, but it made sense. Um and uh yeah, and then and then the idea too that like, okay, it's not just a prison for giant monsters it's like well let's let's play it out like a prison drama like a really pulpy really sort of lurid you know prison drama that like you know borrows stuff from oz and borrows stuff from the shawshank redemption and borrows stuff from like true crime stuff and uh you know and and it has all that sort of grim gritty stuff but cloaked in this weird kaiju thing so that it's funny that it's kind of funny but kind of just you know, so it's like funny, sad, <laughs> and disgusting, <laughs> right? And like, I see, um, I see a theme, and so <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that you kind of go like, huh, that was sort of a sad thing that happened to that person. Oh, and they their guts exploded, and like, there's coating the landscape in guts, and that's kind of like weirdly funny, and like, anyway, yeah. So that's what it's all strangely compelling. It, well, and I know that people read it and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's so obvious from, from reading this book that you're obviously a, a conservative and, you know, all of the issues. So, no, um, <laughs> like there's so many there's so many social issues in this book. It's one of the things that that I particularly love about it. I know we talked about it on the show maybe a month and a half ago now at this point. Um, you know, we talked about some of the issues of, of dealing with, you know, specifically with season two of policing and, and you know, uh, drug abuse and, and just all of the stuff that's in there. Was that ever, like, 
it's obviously a conscious decision, things that you're you're passionate about or have something to say about. But was it ever something that you were concerned, like maybe I shouldn't put this in here because this will turn people off from my book about monsters? Well, more like yeah, or stay in stay in your lane type of thing. Right. I mean, there's that, but and I mean, I guess it isn't so much that I was like that. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of different things to be said about like what what I intended to do and what just kind of happened. Like, I mean, what mm -hmm. I intended to do was make like a satire about, you know, about the, about sort of like, you know, on prison, on prison stuff, prison uh, genre tropes and monsters and mash it up and make it, and make it kind of, kind of funny and kind of weird. And then the, like the social, the, I don't know, the, the social issue stuff, some of it came in just to kind of like to kind of complete a complete a storyline problem or mm -hmm. just to or did but a lot of it is just to make it compelling hopefully you know give give it a little weight and say like hey instead of just this guy kind of stomp you know stomping around or moping around and and uh and being sad about their situation i'm going to tie that in to to sort of like I don't mean to, I don't really mean it to be like ripped from the headlines of today, right. but I mean, just the idea of like, Hey, here are these unwanted, these unwanted characters that are, uh, that then, you know, and let's tie it into, I don't know. I mean, in a way it's all a joke, even if it's not a funny, it's a like, because you're looking for that punchline, you're looking for that twist. Right. And so, um, and so I just, a lot of it was just to make to 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 give it that twist, to give it a and to give it a little weight, and to give it a um, to give the story a little bit of to to give the story a, a little bit of um, stakes, you know. Well, honestly, I, when you look at when you look at this book, that's the pretty much the last thing you're expecting is the weight and the the seriousness of the topics at hand. I mean, you've done a phenomenal job with the, the, the storytelling and the writing and combining those those two things the the liveliness of the art and the seriousness of the thematic elements of it it's it's kind of interesting that it came about naturally for you like it wasn't well, all planned out and thought out like to the nth degree yeah well i mean i think that you know everybody kind of every sort of cartoonist you know kind of has to think about like well what do i do naturally and then what do i what do i need to focus on like uh like i naturally will add a lot of sort of melancholy and a lot of pathos to, to stuff like even if i'm starting off with like the the happy sunshine bright fun time hour it'll be like <laughs> by the end it'll be like suicide and drug abuse and like <laughs> or just staring at a wall you know so like that that's a sort of and I, and i tend i tend to be able to like keep a keep a certain logic to to things like like keep a keep a a, a world that that makes sense and i tend to you know be, I'm, I'm able to sort of make it flow i'm not really that great at coming up with like i mean i, I mean on the fly of like like big like tentpole ideas you know and so that's the thing that i really that's the thing that i really plan out beforehand is like the those mashup ideas you know it's like okay there's a a, a um a, a cavity search at the prison and so they have to navigate a like a submarine in his rectum you know like so you have to like those are the things they want to think up beforehand 
and then write, you know, and then write the scene around it. I mean, because people are like, oh, this is really interesting, this world that you've created. And it's like, I'm, I'm winging it on the world. Absolutely. <laughs> because I, because, because I love world building. But I know that if I get too far into world building, it'll become, it'll cement itself and there won't, there will be no air, like there'll be no room to move. Right. I really like um, the theory that your world was created as so a submarine can roam through some guys. Totally. Anus. Got it. I like it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that many worlds are created that way, including the world that we live in. <laughs> Um, is that but I mean is like, that a conversation the, 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 like that you bump is, off of sorry like everything is a, like everything is is in order to to sort of have the the space for those mashups and those jokes and stuff and and then you know and anything that's like sort of sentimental or melancholy is just like well that's just that's there to drive the that's there to drive the character business you know um I mean, it's all it's all important, but I but I feel like it I it, it's nice to know what I can do on the day and and what I need to do like what I need to plan out from the very beginning. Well, you, you're setting yourself up to reach for something like this is even if it's not an end point, it is a a goal a a, a goal point for you to for you to get to it, and that everything else yeah. happens to fill in around it, which is a, a very good you know method to do. It. You know what you're looking for. And you, you I mean, it's it's it nice to it, it's nice to have a, a big moment that you, you that you can kind of see in the distance. You're like, okay, I, I need to, I need I need to set up all the plot points that that'll work or whatever. You know? mm -hmm. Makes sense. But, well, I, I mean, your storytelling is definitely effective because if, uh, for instance, when you did the whole um thing where Green Humongo moved in with his brother with Electrogore, it, like if you were just like, yeah, we should power up and then. You know, Red Red Humongo would have been like, "Okay, high five! They're bad guys now." You know, there goes the fucking world. That that would have been less effective. Like you, you really gave a look into this dude's world of like how shitty it was, like how bad his job was, how like crappy his boss looked on him, and like you know his his other coworker was like even shitting on him. The other kaiju was even better than him. And like you know, he came home to his you know his brother and his friend. Well, his brother's friend, you know, just like sleeping and not doing shit all day. And all his like old acquaintances are either dead or crazy or some shit, as he mentioned. That that right. gave the point for like how the break happened with him, and it made it way more effective. And like, yeah, I, I, your storytelling is definitely more effective the way you do it. Like, I, I, I mean. The, the the build up and context you build the things are 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 really great. Oh well, thanks. I mean, you know, one <laughs> one of the things that's that's funny about it, like you know, I I used to try to do stuff that was really, uh, like like try to have a, I don't know what would be the word like experimental storytelling. I used to do try to do a lot more of that stuff, but with Kaiju Max, it's just like I try to make it the most con like conventional comic book storytelling that I possibly can because everything else is so weird that like <laughs> that if I were to have a triangular panel or like inset panels or like you know if things are upside too down much, too people much. would be too like far. yeah <laughs> too much well seriously because people would be like what the you know so if uh so I like to have I like to have it be absolutely you know and in fact you can probably if you look you'd be like oh he only uses like four different page layouts you know, basically, <laughs> for what's it, what's it been? You know, if it works, two, three hundred pages. 
Well, I, th I think, like, for me personally, reading through the book, it, I think it's one of the most brilliant things about the book is that you have a book, you know, like Evan said, that, that has a cartoony, bright look to it, and it, it is a very straightforward panel layout. It's, it's very simple to read. There's, there's not a lot of the, the indie comics layout within the book, but then you have this incredibly poignant story on top of it. Like, it, it sucks you in like oh cool it's a book about monsters in prison like i know when we decided to read it for the show for the first time the the solicitation that we read was it's a book about kaiju monsters in prison and we went yeah that's a thing we're gonna read Sign like it was, it was such a simple concept that hooked us and then reading through the book it was like oh wow there there is so much more going on in this and it's just like i said i mean to me you know intentional or or sort of by happenstance or happy accident anyway, um, the, the poignancy that is in the book is just absolutely incredible. And I, like, I feel that this is one of the more important books that, or one of the books that has something to say that's on the shelves now. Like, we all love superhero comics, oh. right? Everybody loves Superman, but to actually read something that then also has some idea behind it or will make you question some things, you know, Maybe somebody who read this book is now questioning the prison system in this country and like, oh, maybe for higher or, you know, for profit prisons, maybe they are a bad idea. And I'm going to pay attention to some things like that's maybe that was why they get rid of them. Right. Yeah, like it's, it's someone this, in the Obama administration is reading my comic book. That would be awesome. I, that would like <laughs> how fucking great would that be if <laughs> like you know Joe Biden pops up one day and he's like, so this book Kaiju Max, like all the shit that I have been doing as VP, completely wrong. This is where it's at. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> right, so, so yeah. We're, so I mean, that's, we're running that's a theory. Oh, oh, no, go, Xander, go ahead. I didn't know you were saying anything. Oh, yeah, that's a theory, is what, is what I'm saying. Oh, well, I, I Joe hopefully, Biden I picked mean, it up. Joe Biden, big big fan of the book, big fan of the show. I mean, I, I know uh, he wrote us a few emails <laughs> saying that, yeah, he was totally into Kaiju Max, and I mean, he's, He's down for reading more of it. Oh God, um, he just—he won't stop what, emailing. It's yeah, almost no, embarrassing. Yeah, at yeah this point. no, and like he—he's really got to stop wearing the T-shirts. They're—they're a little <laughs> over the top. Um, but that's what Obama was looking at in the in the Gear VR. He was reading. You're right. He was reading, <laughs> reading Kaiju Max. Um, all right, so so we're running a little low on time. Uh, and Xander, you said you had some questions. <laughs> Oh shit! Well, there's questions for us. So I was not prepared. So, um, so hi Evan, how hi. are you? <laughs> I listened to your podcast where you reviewed Kaiju Max number one, mm -hmm. and that you said that you just didn't like it because what was it? You were a person and you had eyes and you knew how to read. That was, that was why oh no, what? Very yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> Incisive. Oh, shit. Oh, well, no. first off, I have to I have to preface all of this is I do like to upset Dean as much as possible. <laughs> well, that seemed to oh, have yeah, done it. Okay. <laughs> so as soon as I see Dean riding on some sort of roller coaster or a tram, I will try to knock him off. Secondly, <laughs> the art style that you you present is not for me. Okay. The one the the right the great thing about art and comedy is they are the two most subjective things in the world. Okay. Um. I will not ever, ever take away from the fact that you put this book together, you wrote it, you did the art, you did it all yourself. That is fantastic. Power to you. 
this just isn't for me. <laughs> I don't look at it right. and see the depth that Dan does. I, 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 I have a pro like Mignola. Okay. <laughs> I can't read a hell, a, a Hellboy book. Can't get past the art for me. Just me. All right. Right. So you're, you're more well, of the, I, uh, so the I like being in that company. Guy, guy. Yeah. And listen, <laughs> they love the book. I will not take, well, I will take that away from Dean. I'm sorry, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, take it, you'll, you'll take it away from him. No, that's good. The, listen, well, almost I mean, respect I, for I, everything I, that I, you I have done. I just want you to know, I want you to know that, frankly, virtually every editor at virtually every publisher would agree with you. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because... I went around and tried to shop around this and other ideas that were weird and creepy and stupid, and I got nowhere. And, and, nowhere. And what ended up happening is <laughs> I did. I picked up the season one trade. I and I picked up the first two issues of season two, and I literally just concentrate on the words. And I, it is really, really well written. Okay, like that. That to me shows that you're putting a lot of effort into this to get your ideas across and that I re and I respect that. When it comes to, you know, me poking at Dean, uh, you just happen to get caught in the crossfire. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was good. I I'm actually thinking about putting it on the back of the next issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you you, you you being a gentleman about it and bringing it up in, in a in a formal setting like this where I could defend myself. <laughs> I like that you had yeah. the exact quote too, but you know <laughs> he listened to it. Up, right, he wrote it down. That son of a bitch. Yeah, you know what? That I'm gonna poke him in the eye the next time I see him. To to be fair, Xander, Evan is a guy who also does not like John Romita Jr. So his his opinion on art is fucking slapdash at best. Oh oh so, oh! It's it's. Oh. it's it's spotty. It sounds like he's got he's got his sweet spots, and then he's got his right. sour spots. You know, I, I'm he's, fine. He's I'm a fine guy who that. loves pouches and capes. I, I, I'm I mean, sorry. What, I like all of my characters to have different style chins, and I will <laughs> be drawn to large pecs and capes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am a '90s comic guy. Draw him a kaiju as Moon Knight. He'll buy it. Buy it in a oh, second. Oh well, that that is without question. <laughs> if you guaranteed. get a Moon Knight book, <laughs> no price too high. There really isn't. <laughs> oh boy um did, did you have any other questions xander besides uh interrogating evan <laughs> i i i got no small joy out of that 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 made me laugh quite a bit that was fabulous i just uh yeah it's i i do find i mean well you know i i got a lot of grief around the middle of this first season where i got uh, there were a bunch of people who didn't like the uh, the trope, the prison trope of the prison assault in the showers. And they, and there were a whole bunch of people, not a whole bunch, but I mean, enough, a handful of people wrote me letters and saying, I will, I will not buy this book anymore. I thought this was a funny book about, you know, funny monsters doing, in funny prison. But, um, <laughs> but, but this is too much. And, and, you know, this is not, this is not humor and da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, and, and I just was like, well, I, I'm not there to hurt anybody's feelings for sure. I just, I was, you know, I just was trying, trying to do something. And I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, I, you're going to, you're going to write the book you want to write. And, you know, it, right. I, if you lose a few people, 
along the way. That's fine. I mean, I personally, when shit got real, I was like, oh fuck, I need I need to see what happens in the next issue. This is getting this is getting crazy now. Like, yeah, for the first couple issues, it was a little kooky and stuff. I mean, you know, Electrogore gets ca- uh, captured. You're meeting all these weird characters and stuff. Some of them are doing drugs and shit. It's kind of funny. And then he gets stabbed, and it's like. Fuck, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and then, like, you know, there, there's this power struggle between, like, these old school kaijus and these, like, the uh, what was it, the cryptids and stuff. And, like, it, it gets fucking real pretty damn quick. And it, 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 it was really cool, man. Like, I mean, that stuff is far more interesting than just, you know, like, drug and fart jokes sometimes. So, I I, I don't know. I mean, more more power to you for, for making it interesting. If, if some people can't handle that, I mean... People have their beliefs, and, you know, not everyone's going to have the same beliefs as you. So, you know, you're going to lose a few people along the way. Right. But as long as you're getting across the point of view that you want, that's what it's important. All right, Xander, you, what you have to see is you saw the zeal and the zest and the the, the verve that he just presented Ooh, the verve. in his, his case. <laughs> there has to be the opposite of that on this show. We can't just be one-sided. So every <laughs> once in a while, Bouncing. I have it's to take that act. upon myself. But <laughs> the best praise and, and credit that I could give to you is I honestly, truthfully paid every cent in real dollars for your book. That doesn't happen very well. You often. paid what? I paid for your books. I, I'm sorry. You, 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 you <laughs> I, I take that as a high compliment. I, I, I trust me. It, it really is because I don't buy a lot of books. I really don't. And when when Dean went on and on and on and on and on, I said, I'm, I, I've got to be missing something. So, <laughs> I, and and you, like I said, the, the writing in this stuff is is phenomenal. It Listen, really you want to take a couple uh, pull quotes from me, man? I'll just I'll just lay them out one after another. You can just write them down. No big deal. I'll get them for you. Don't worry about it. Piece of cake. Happy to help. So. Uh... So as we're totally. as we're coming to the end of our show here, um, I think, uh, well, uh, for me, I'm curious because you have a son. How old is your son? Uh, he's eight. He's eight. All right. So I mean, I have daughters too, and and so, but I'm not a creative person, at least in this sense, anyway. So I, what what has me curious is, is there any sort of plan in the works for something that you might do? For your son, like, is there a book that he is inspiring you to write? Well, he did inspire Kaiju Max to some degree. Like, he he and I and my wife used to watch um, Ultraman together. Oh, that's awesome! Uh, like okay. When he was, when oh, he was nice. really little, he loved Ultraman. I mean, he just loved it. I really thought it's so you were ridiculous. Go in a different direction with that. We all sat around yeah, no. as a family and watched Oz. It yeah, was we watched great. Oz. <laughs> it was oh, wonderful. There were a lot of questions, most of them uncomfortable. Family discussions. <laughs> but um, but like when I would drop him off to to daycare to say goodbye, he would give me the little like the little specium beam, like the, the little beam that Ultraman does. Like that. That's that was awesome. How, the way he would say goodbye. And um, so yeah, he was really into it. And also, well, my son, my son's Korean, and so um, one of the things that I always uh, like I kind of like the idea or I like the fact that all the all the human characters in Kaiju Max are all Asian like which is just you know you just don't see and so right. I you know I, I like the idea that that all of them kind of have uh, that you don't have each one doesn't have to be like well I'm the Asian guy I'm the Asian guy it's like everybody's <laughs> right. Asian so like they don't you don't have to 
you can have a lot of different types of characters um, instead of everybody having to sort of represent their race. You know what I mean? Does so. he um does he read the book at all, or like does he look through the? He book? will look through them. He it's it's all pretty much over his head. I mean, all anything right. gruesome, um, other than like the guts. But I don't care about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, um, but like, and he'll find he'll find um Grubzo, the little guy in each issue. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, if he were <laughs> a little awesome. older, I might be a little I might be a little leery of that. But, and I mean, I specifically said like. Don't let second graders read this. And so he's going into third grade now, so he's really happy. Um, <laughs> so, so now he's going to read dad's book. Yeah, he's no longer a second grader, so um, I guess it's, uh, there's nothing Kaiju I can Max do. to all his schoolmates. <laughs> You're going to get so many phone calls, man. Like, oh, that, I do not envy. No, that's, I, that's awesome, though, that, like, you're, you're putting these characters in there for, for your kid. Like, there's, it's hard like and maybe i'm the only other one. well i am the only other one with kids on the show that like that might feel this way but like one of i have twin girls and one of my daughters is autistic so like i we have kind of given them free reign to like discover things and pop culture that they're into and whatnot but there are certain things that we try to push like from our influences and like i really love kung fu movies and i was like hey there's this movie chocolate that that has an autistic girl as the the main character, and it's she's a right. badass in this movie, and it's great. So I sat my daughter down. I was like, Penny, come watch this kung fu movie with me. And she was like, Yeah, I don't care that that girl's autistic, Daddy. I'm gonna go watch Five Nights at Freddy's videos. Piss off, you know. I was like, All right, well, maybe in a couple of years, damn it. Like I tried to have a moment, but I tried. <laughs> you know, it's so. All right, so last question. Um, Kaiju Max runs on a six-month schedule, and then we take a, a break, and then we come back. How many more seasons of this? Because we're calling them seasons, right? Like season right. one, season two. How many more seasons are we going to get? The, the plan is to have uh, six seasons of six issues each. Um, you know, and I'm I'm kind of and I I have a sort of a plan about you know uh, what what each one is going to be about, and and uh, you know and trying to alternate like ones in the prison and then back and then outside and then in the prison again and then like you know you know trying to figure out ways to to make it a little bit each one distinct all right so we so we've got at least four more we're not going to hold you to any more commitment than that but at least four more <laughs> that is excellent news like, well, i mean is, this is a book that point, i'll read forever but yeah at some point i got to move on to the other 50,000 ideas that i have you know that I want to do. <laughs> well, are are you planning on t taking on all six seasons by yourself, like you're doing the first two? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I keep saying like, well, maybe I'll get a colorist, but it just—it's I don't know. That doesn't sound. I mean, I'm I can get. I'm I'm I like doing it all. I just you know, the only uh, the only issue is time. You know, as and and as I get faster and more efficient, you know that that becomes less of an issue. So. I, yeah, the plan is that I would do it all myself. Nice. I like you. are awesome. going the community route. Six seasons, and then maybe we'll see a movie. <laughs> six seasons of uh, a movie. Yeah, six seasons of <laughs> a movie. That's the plan. Kaiju Max would pay see lots this of money. Movie. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. so much money. Without question, all of the dollars <laughs> would blow Pacific Rim out of the water. Oh, 
Excellent. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, before before I toss it back over to announcer guy, uh, does anyone have any final questions for our guest this week, Mr. Xander Cannon? I I think we covered pretty pretty much most of uh, what what Xander has been up to, is up to, like might be up to Will in the future. Uh, like you know, so <laughs> I, I I have one for 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 Chris, seeing as he's not here. Um, what is your favorite type of bread? Oh, my favorite type of bread. Yeah. Yes, pertinent question. <laughs> Uh, ask it of see, all the artists. I don't That's the know. truth. We like, asked it of every artist. We don't eat a lot of bread in our house. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. Say so maybe maybe English muffins. Okay. Okay. Dude, yeah. nooks and crannies, yeah. man. That's what's up. That's what's up. It's a, a fucking strong choice, sir. That is a strong choice. You can toast them with butter. You can make little pizzas. Yeah. Can... Oh, yum. <laughs> Jesus, you you. You know, Evan, you just took this very serious interview that we've done, hitting some it's very hard, diffusing, sir. pertinent <laughs> topics, and man, oh man. So, Matt, any uh, any questions to uh, to wrap us up? No, I think we covered everything. You're very <laughs> impressive, Mr. Cannon. <laughs> oh, wait, very actually, manly, I did. very right. very impressive. Kevin Cannon, how is how is that person related to you? Is that your brother? That person is not related to me at all. He so you hunted a, someone is, down really? by the same last name you work for with? for a decade. <laughs> What's that? You hunted someone down with the same last name to work with you. Yeah, he, yeah, he hunted me down, actually, because he went to the same college I did, but he's uh, seven years younger. So everyone kept saying, oh, you must be Xander's brother, because he's also a cartoonist. He's nice. like, who the hell is Xander? <laughs> Why am I living in this man's shadow? Yeah, and so and so he and so he's from Minneapolis where I live, and so he he just tracked me down and like uh, I think he was my intern for the summer, like the summer I got married. It was the war, it was the dumbest internship. Like I had nothing for him to do. And, uh, Best internship for and, him though. Not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, and then and then we uh, That's and then amazing. we've worked together for basically since two thousand since twenty. Or sorry, two thousand four. So, uh, yeah, I just saw his that, name all over the place, and you did mention that you had a sister, and I'm assuming your sister's name is not Kevin. So, I'm just no, curious. No, hey man, no judgment. Not. <laughs> that that's all together creepy and touching all at the same time. That's yeah. See, <laughs> you see, you're getting it. It's like it's disgusting <laughs> and funny. And sad, yeah. sad, depressing. Yeah, I like a little it. dark, <laughs> still funny. <laughs> fucking hits it hits all the feels, man. Just right, right in every single one of them. So, fucking excellent. <laughs> all right, well, announcer guy, tell us a couple things. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geekade crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geekade website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geekade by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekade.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan. Thanks again, announcer guy. And once again, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I know that didn't, <laughs> it really sounded funny. Like Sandra it's almost the curtain. He knows how I it know, works it's, now. <laughs> it's almost as if we splice oh, in the same bullshit issue after issue and don't have announcer <laughs> no, guy recording. No, things. he's here. He shows up 
at 9.45 every Thursday just to say a minute's worth of footage every week. He's a dedicated <laughs> Thanks, announcer guy. Oh, and once again, thank you for listening to the Paper Cuts podcast. We really do appreciate your support. We have made it 100 issues. Hopefully, we will be around for 500 issues more. If you have the time after you're done listening to this fabulous podcast, why don't you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher where you can leave us a nice five-star rating and review. It's absolutely free of charge, costs you nothing but time, and it's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show. If you want to get a hold of any of us, you can always send us uh, an email, mail at geekade.com. If you want to talk to any of us individually, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. I am at geekadedan. You can follow, follow Evan. Geekade underscore Evan. You can follow Matt. At Geekade Matt. And you can follow Dean at Kimono underscore Vestlord. You can also follow our very special guest this week, Mr. Xander Cannon. Xander, where can they find you? Uh, at, at Xander underscore Cannon. Anything else you want to you wanna promote while you're here? Anything you want to push? Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram? Um, LinkedIn. Yeah. WordPress. Follow me on Facebook. WordPress, yeah, and uh, <laughs> check me out at kaijumax.com. You can listen to my my podcast, my commentary on each issue. Ooh. And where can they pick up your books? Uh, and what's that? Where can they pick up your books? Uh, where can they pick up the books? Well, uh, yeah, any uh, local comic store and on Comixology and uh, most uh, digital retailers. Got to get those digital plugs in there. Damn it, it's the way of the future. Join us again next week, everyone, as we talk about, I believe, uh, without revealing too much behind the scenes, I believe next week, we're go or previous week, we're going to talk about... Give it up. What? Dan, we're just yeah. going to be talking about books next week. Next week, we're, we're, we're talking, talking about, about books. books next week, but we're going to record in the... Yeah, it's okay. You don't need to know. What happened? Episode 101. It's gonna going to be fabulous. I can't wait to see it. Until that time, for Matt Much, for Evan Goldstein... For Dean DeFalco, for Xander Cannon, and for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan.